0: Welcome to Taking the Helm with Lynn McLaughlin. In this ever-changing world, it's essential to prioritize our children's emotional well-being. Lynn can show you how to learn and model healthy emotional habits for your loved ones and become a rock-solid support system for your family. Now, here's your host.
1: Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you being with us. If you missed last week's episode, if you're a teacher... Please go back and listen to it. Jody Nolan was with us and she's basically shared everything that we need to do as educators to create a calm and focused classroom right from the beginning of the school year using various practices of mindfulness. The lessons are ready for you wherever you are in the world. It is my honor and my pleasure today to introduce a good friend of mine who's joining us, a Melissa Lyons. One of Melissa's gifts is her ability to help people shift worries, fears, and challenges into wellness and desired results. Using Thought Nutrition as a foundation, she's helped thousands of individuals successfully navigate intense situations and disagreeable circumstances. Using her own vulnerabilities, experiences, and humility, she can reach and connect with people in deep and meaningful ways. In both our workplaces and personal lives, learning to shift perspectives and make better choices at any given moment allows us to create better outcomes and more fulfilling experiences. Everybody wins. Melissa's career includes an MBA and decades of entrepreneurial and corporate business experience, and it was a significant life change that led Melissa to where she is today. And welcome to our show, Melissa.
2: Hi, Lynn. It's great to see you. Oh,
1: super to see you as well. All right. We're going to jump in with the, uh, I think, one of the most important questions that maybe we should all be asking ourselves. You faced it in a big, big way. You had that significant life change that led you to embark on that 30-month intensive self-realization sabbatical. Let's start the conversation with that.
2: Well, that takes me back a few years, but it also takes me back to like yesterday because it's still so fresh in my mind. I'd sold a business that I'd built from the ground up. I'd had it for 11 years. I started it by myself in my house, and by the time I sold it, I had 18 full-time employees, and it was like a going concern, which actually it still is today. So, so it really was a, a wonderful project. But when I sold it, and believe me, by the time I sold it, I, I couldn't get out of there fast enough. It was no longer serving me or my heart or my joy. So I wanted to be out of it. But as soon as I was out of it, I faced some pretty, um, pretty harsh realities that I had built pretty much or spent my whole lifetime building uh, my life around goals that actually were empty to me by the time I had achieved them. So my life took a big turn when I realized that the life that I've been creating and living and leading, including my, I had everything, you know, I, I had now the money to do what I wanted with. I was healthy, great family, all of the things that, that I thought I wanted and that I did want, but inside I was completely empty, disconnected to a sense of, um, personal fulfillment and purpose in my life. And so it felt like all of a sudden I had to start over again and just figure out who I was. Cause if I didn't know who I was, my husband didn't know who I was, my kids, my parents, my family, my friends, it was like, I lived a lie.
1: Melissa, there are many people right now in the world that are grappling the same way you did. Uh, And I know this is probably a very simplistic question, but what, what were the signs for you that, that made you say, I have to make this momentous decision and let this business go. Uh, There are people that are, you know, waking up in the morning and hitting that snooze button seven times because they dread going into the office. What, what did you see
2: happening in your life? Well, I mean, there's two parts of that. While I was near the end of my business and when I decided to sell it, I didn't want to get out of bed. I, I, I lost myself along the way many times and it was scary and hard but once I did get through that time, and and I was free, essentially, uh, the awareness came when my husband turned to me one day, and he said to me, are you ever going to be happy?
0: Um. And,
2: you know, you, you talk about simplicity. I was 47 years old at the time. And I said to him, with all honesty, I don't know, because the truth is, well, I don't think I knew what happiness was because I was never happy. There was always something in me that felt like I wasn't doing enough or being enough or I hadn't done enough or something wasn't right. I was like doom and gloom in so many ways, but yet having everything and actually, sometimes sometimes that's the answer too, you know. You feel guilty about not feeling good when you should feel good. But the truth is, is it doesn't matter what you have or don't have, how you feel is going to dictate where you're going in your life. And it's that it's like an oscillating, repeating pattern.
1: And you were in a place back then where you were doing like so many of us do, you had the boxes and you were checking them, check, 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 you know, that whole social concept of what we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do.
2: Yeah, it's true. And the thing is, is that we can cover it up and we can hide it. And some of us are able to do it for our whole lives. And we know that there's that inner conflict. Others don't even recognize an inner conflict because there isn't one. They actually did hit on the right path. They did do the right things for the right reasons, where I really think I did the right things for the wrong reasons for most of my life. And I go back to it. I think about um, the people pleasing of, of some, you know, any for educators or even parents among us who have those easy kids who just say, yes, yes, I'll do it. And and they just, they just do what you ask. That was me. But the truth was, is that I never learned to use my own voice effectively. I actually never even learned to hear my own voice. So I don't know. It's that thing of waking up one day and realizing, yeah, I'm really not very happy. I don't know why. And
1: then dealing with it. Took you that long to find your new path?
2: Well, you know, it was only meant to be three months. And three days into that three months, I almost I almost came unraveled. Because with my family, at the time, my kids were in their late teens. And my husband, of course, was working. And as a family, we agreed that this is what I needed and that I was going to step away from all of my family responsibilities just to figure some things out. Because, you know, we're never really broken, but I felt broken and I needed to sort that out and come to terms with that. And three days into this this time where I was going to read and write and journal and meditate and um, just spend time understanding myself, I was so guilty. Who was I to watch my family struggle through the daily life and get up and not hit snooze and, you know, and I'm just not going to do anything. I, I just couldn't do it. I felt horrible.
1: Yeah. And, and I think any parent would. Yeah. We're yeah. we're right there with you. I can feel it. I yeah. can feel it. So, we know, put everybody else ahead of ourselves, right? We're never first.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, we're not and when we're given the chance to be, we, we don't really know how. So that was 3 days into 3 months and by the time I hit the 3 months of the 30 months and you know, I didn't realize to this moment that it was 333. Three, three. Uh, but oh. anyway, uh 3 months into it, I I had like this MBA approach to to this healing and journey of self-discovery. And at the end of the three months, I, I said to the to my coach, I said, you know, I'm farther away now than when I started. Like I was angry. I was pissed off. I was so frustrated. And she looked at me and she said, pretty much she didn't use these words, but it was like lesson one, the harder you try, the longer this is going to
1: take. Oh, well, I guess when you're digging deep, deep deep into into stuff from your past or trying to figure things out, yeah, that's hard work. It doesn't happen, you know, you snap your fingers and it's not done
2: oh <laughs> well, yeah and and I mean, it's that, and it's that swimming upstream, it's going against things, it's learning how to literally, which I hated hearing at the time to surrender, mm-hmm. to just let go and just be not attached to the outcome of whatever it is you're doing. So journaling for example, learning to not be journaling for a purpose and learn to not be meditating for a purpose. It's just to be with nothing else. So that that in itself is something. you, you know yeah, the, the whole thing is interesting. it really, really is. And I also came to realize this was later at the probably well actually it was probably long after my 30 months were over. I had built the business that I had was a salon and medical spa because I really felt this need to help people feel better. I've always had that from when I was young. So I was like, okay, well, if I can make people like feel prettier or happier with how they look, then they're going to be happier. And, you know, by the end it wasn't fulfilling me. So now here I am sitting there realizing this work of true happiness is an inside out job, not an outside in job. And that oh is when
1: things really started to change. No, I'm just contemplating Oh, what's the word gratification, external reinforcement? I think so many, so many of us look to that. What what does addiction look like? What is you know all of that is is external validation because they can't figure out what's happening internally, or it's too hard, or they just don't realize it.
2: Well, I think it's all of what you said. It's so important to pause. Like I do some work in the power of pressing pause. Like pause doesn't mean just press pause and uh, like. Take a break, pauses, sit in it, whatever it is. And again, it's that observer. It's the observer. That's that's where I'm going. Be the observer of whatever you're experiencing, what you're feeling, what's coming down, what's not coming down, like for you, and recognize that. Yeah, like it is easier to look for external validations, and we've been brought up can I go to the bathroom? You raise your hand. Mm. You, you did well on a test. Good job. You keep your room clean. Good job. You know, all of those things. It's like, okay, I'm a good person. Cause I just got the good job. How do we separate ourselves from that at, at any age? And how can we actually help raise families and, and kids differently so that they are less in need of that external aha tap on the back?
1: I think we start with ourselves that was going to be my next question about our kids, but, you know, pressing pause, pressing pause and sitting in it. Am I, am I waiting for signs? Am I just listening to my gut? Am I thinking about something and paying attention to how that makes my body and my emotions respond? What is sitting in it look like? I'm getting really concrete here. Sorry.
2: Yeah, no, it, It's good. Okay. So let's talk about what sitting, what we're sitting in. So if all of a sudden you just feel like my life, I'm on the, I'm, I'm on the treadmill of life and I'm chasing, chasing, chasing. So I would sit into what is it that I'm chasing? And I would sit and I would ask myself that question. And I actually, let's talk about like, let's talk about being quiet. It's hard to be quiet when you have thoughts in your mind. So if you've got something that's coming into your mind, bring a journal and a pen, write it down and then say, I'm letting that go. So you can move it out of your body physically and then sit again. And you just keep coming back to like thinking about like, what is it? What is it? And it's okay if you're journaling. Pause just means you're not taking action. Pause means you're not trying to find a solution. Pause means you're not trying to fix a problem. Pause is just what is happening in my head. Because you know what? 99.99999% of all this is just happening in our heads, right? Yeah. And then it becomes our feelings and our emotions and our responses. And then the predicaments we create which leads us to thought nutrition.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Is that a term that you created, Melissa? Because I have not heard that one before.
2: Well, I definitely created it, Lynn. I know I did. I I remember it. I got my notes and everything. But when I did go to look it up, I could find it in the odd spot on the internet. And, And the dot com for thought nutrition was taken. So someone had thought about it before me. But in terms of looking for work, there's not a lot out there. I know in some of the talks that I give, people will call me later and say like, I was looking for that graphic that you used and I can't find it anywhere. It's like, because it isn't anywhere. (laughs) I have it. (laughs) Yeah, so I would say I'm pioneering work in thought nutrition. Am I the original? Probably not. But it's something that's near and dear to my heart because I think, well, we know every single thing we create, every action we ever take is preceded by our thoughts. So we've got to start there. It doesn't matter what got us to this point. So what are we going to do from here? And healthy t- thought nutrition, like think about it. We teach people, like think of anybody's listening in your family, like do you care about the food you feed your family? Yes. Of course, yeah. Do you care if someone under eats or overeats or eats excessively poorly? Yes. Yes. Great. Right. And do we care if our, if our people in our family, our loved ones, or the people we're responsible for it, never exercise or, or pay attention to their physical health? Of course we do. Yeah, but the thought nutrition, really, we're invited to consider thought nutrition before we consider the importance of all the other things we do because that mind-body wellness balance, the whole idea of balance, it's just how we perceive things and how we think about things and how they feel inside of us because the imbalance is just how we're thinking about anything we're going through at any moment. So working on thought nutrition, I think sets a foundation for everything that we want to do, whether it's weight loss, physical fitness, a better career, you know, better relationships, all of those things. It doesn't matter how good we are at any of them. If our healthy thought, if our thought nutrition isn't healthy, then it's really hard to create a successful outcome or desired outcome. You know what I'm
1: stuck on as a type A personality, although I'm much better now. What do we do daily to put thought nutrition in the forefront?
2: Then the answer is so easy. You won't believe it. When you feel yucky, you're really quite lucky. (laughs) I've told you before, I'll say it a thousand times. That's how easy it is. The second you feel anything in your body, in your gut, anywhere where you don't feel good, something doesn't feel right. You've got, that's your answer. The second, You have anything that doesn't feel right. It means your emotional guidance system is working. It means it's telling you that somewhere you're misaligned by what you're thinking. So now it's not good, bad, right, or wrong. It's the awareness. That's all we're looking for here. So the second you have anything that doesn't feel completely exciting, happy, joyful, full of gratitude, appreciation, you know, if it doesn't feel that, it feels something else. It's just a sign that you, you're you're carrying something, you're pondering something, something's going over in your mind, something's calling your attention. Just say, say, hey, Lynn, this isn't aligned here, and then, then you look at it, then you pause, then you say, like, what is this about? Does it warrant me feeling this way? How long do I want to stay, or what needs to be? You know, and, and you work through it. I have a beautiful graphic um, that displays thought nutrition in terms of frequency and vibration. So the same way that our food can have a nutritional value, so do our thoughts, feelings, and emotions. So the second you're feeling yucky, you're lucky. Your emotional guidance system is at work. And then you have a chance to respond intentionally. Intentionally. Okay. So I'm going to push this a little bit. So I felt yucky. I,
1: I sat in it. I thought about it. And it is something that I've determined I have no control over. I felt yucky because of something else that happened out there that has affected me. Now I can intentionally make the choice to say, I'm pushing that away.
2: No, I don't know if you need to push it away. You need to recognize it. So do you have an exact example? Like, do you want to use something like someone cut you off when you were driving or do you have something more? That's a great example. There you go. Okay. So someone cuts you off when you're driving. Can you control it? No. Can you control your response? Of course. So say it really frustrates you and it makes you angry. So you can decide, like, does this person, like this action warrant me? Let's First of all, we wake up with intentions with thought nutrition. The same way you might wake up and say, I have 1800 calories and I'm going to exercise for 30 minutes. Okay. You're going to wake up and say, uh, today, by the end of the day, I want to know that I was felt mostly in harmony with the world that I had compassion for others and that I was full of self self self-care and forgiveness. Like I want to be kind to myself. I want to be compassionate with others and I want to be in harmony with the world. Those are the three things I want today. So someone cuts you off in traffic and you're angry and you're like, and it's like, okay, what do you want? Like, does this warrant you not doing any of those three things that you said this morning? That's your first question because you feel the tightness. Now, you might not feel a tightness until you've given the person some kind of manual gesture. But at some <laughs> point, you're going to go, whoa, I didn't feel very good about that or that didn't feel very much fun. And then you realign. You just decide, where do I want to go from here?
1: All right. Well, we're heading off for a short break right now. But when we come back with Melissa Lyons, we're going to carry on about intentionality also thought rescue plans and clarity we'll see you in a minute
0: enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us follow us on instagram at voice america talk radio and see what we're cooking up for you
3: Our kids today face a world that's different from what we experienced. The pressures they encounter are unique and they need a fresh approach. But fear not, we're here to guide us all towards a brighter future. Join us and schedule Heart Matters, embracing emotional health for all. And uncover answers and proven strategies that work for our children's sake. It's more than an event. It's a catalyst for change. We delve deep into what being emotionally well truly means. It's more than just being happy or stress-free. It's about developing resilience, empathy, self-awareness, and more. Discover how normalizing emotions and modeling for our children will empower us all to build healthy relationships. You'll have the opportunity to engage with renowned experts in mental health and education as they share their invaluable knowledge and practical insights. But that's not all. We'll provide you with a wealth of resources. Whether you're interested in scheduling an in-person or virtual event, Heart Matters is designed as an interactive session to accommodate the needs of your school or community. Let's shape a future where emotional well-being is prioritized and our children thrive in loving and supportive environments. Discover the answers and act now for our children's sake. Email Lynn at lynnmclaughlin.com to start the conversation. Receive your free proposal And book your date.
0: Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. You are listening to Taking the Helm with Lynn McLaughlin. Have a question for Lynn or her guests? Join us on the show at 1 866 472 5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Now, back to the show.
1: And we're back from break with Melissa Lyons. We were talking beforehand about intentionality and making decisions at the beginning of the day about, you know, what we want to come of it. And then when we're deviated from that, we say, hold on a minute, and it gives us a sign. I think that's very powerful. How hard is it to get into that daily practice, Melissa?
2: I don't think it's that hard, Lynn, if... It depends on what we want. Like, I think clarity is an important thing to talk about here. You know, at work, we, we want to do well and usually like progress through the ranks if that's what our goal is. You know, and at home, we have this idea about raising our families or with our partners or our pets or whatever it is in our home life. We have a certain way that we want to be, but when it comes to actually how we live and respond and, and make our way through the world, we're not always as intentional. And that means that we can be like thrown off our path by a more powerful and maybe not compassionate person, like an individual in a room or personality. So having clarity about how we want to live and how we want, who we want to show up as really helps us to be more clear about our thought nutrition. For me,
1: it also would help me to be clear about who and what I would let into my life.
2: Absolutely. Intentionally. <laughs> Intentionally. So, you know, it's almost like when I work with clients, we sit down, the first thing we do is like, who who are you? Like the I ams. And like who aren't you? And the I'm not. And then who do you want to show up as? Like how do you want to progress in your life? And and what do you want to evolve into? And that becomes our new I if if we're using affirmations properly. But you start with really where you see yourself in your life. And then again, where it's just not quite coming together, but you want and then what you really want. And that becomes sort of our blueprint for, for what we want to create. And then from there, we start to choose qualities that matter to us. You know, when we used to do vision boards in the past and we still do now, but like you would might put up a certain house and a certain car and a certain job and maybe an amount of money in the bank account. That still is valid, but now the invitation or the or the, the movement is to assign a quality or a feeling or an emotion or a thought nutrition like a vibrant a frequency or a vibration to each of those things that you want to create in your life, and then take the actual physical description away, but keep in that emotional that sense of of what it brings you alive, and then the universe sort of delivers to us whatever is intended for us. And that opens up the opportunity for things to really become um, easier to manifest. Yeah. Not the big giant
1: million dollar house.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Well, yeah. yeah, yeah, And maybe the house is going to be 10 million or maybe it's going to be a $700,000 house in a country that is where you were meant to live because that's where your next connection is. It's like, it broadens the possibility and you're not, Fixed on a specific thing, but the value that it brings to your soul and how it makes you feel is really what's guiding you and guiding what you're creating. Okay.
1: So I think about what you said earlier about when you make that list about who I am and who I am not, how how powerful it would be to say, well, everything I'm doing in my life is under the who I am not list. Oh, well, there's a <laughs> clear sign I'm going in the wrong direction and have to do a sabbatical or take a shift or a, a total uh, 180, 360, whatever it
2: is. Well, you know, here's the thing: we forget to remember, and the older we are, it's not even so much about forgetting to remember what it is that 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 brings us passion and, and drives us towards like our our sense of purpose. It changes. We have multiple purposes that we will um, live through in our lives and achieve or, or grow through. You know, so. I think getting clear about where we are now and and where we want to be and what's blocking or stopping us or keeping us where we are. Nine times out of 10, it's fear because we've got stories that we've told ourselves or experiences that have been imprinted on us that are holding us into a story that won't actually let us move from where we are to where we want to be. So I think that's an important part of it. The other thing about thought nutrition, what it does is that sense that you feel yucky, that things aren't working out, that you're feeling frustrated, disappointed, angry, or you're feeling resentful, blame, shame, like whatever that feeling is, the sense that the sense sorry, the minute that we have that sense, it's like, okay, what is the story around this? That's the pause, and you don't have to solve it or fix it. You just need to be aware of it and then remind yourself about what it is that you are planning, wanting intending to be or show up as show up as a little is a little bit more is I find a little bit easier than to be show up as is what what am I working towards like what am I training my mind toward it's that show up as and what
1: you said about realizing that what's holding us back is very often something a story it's a story from our past it's an experience it's the way we were brought up it's those you know belief systems and I love I love just the first step of being aware of that
2: Just being aware. Yeah. I mean, and not, and not, here's the thing. Thought nutrition isn't positive thinking and thought nutrition isn't the thing that's going to solve a problem. So that awareness. So I I use grief as an example, because a lot of my work is working with people who are going through a grieving process. So you are, if you're in a, a day where you can't leave the house because you just are so gripped with grief. No one's going to fix your grief. Grief will change over time. It will evolve. It will get lighter. It will, you'll be carrying it differently. But grief is going to be a part of you forever. So just thinking a positive thought and thinking you're going to fix it isn't thought nutrition. Thought nutrition is a recognizing I'm grieving. I'm, I'm in a vibrational low-level heaviness that doesn't feel good. So I recognize that this is part of my life. But how, what else can I do? in this process to, to make myself feel better. So sometimes you might like just get yourself off the couch and make cookies and then take them to somebody, or you might grab a roll of dimes and, and go out for a walk and leave them places for people to find. You haven't fixed your grief and you haven't really shifted your thoughts intentionally, but you actually are thinking better and feeling better. So it's just that process of being where you are and, and not trying to fix it. But adding light to it. I guess that's what it is. A lot of the heavy emotions are heavy, and you want to add light because light is where our brightness is and our our joy is. And so, adding light by doing things, but we won't remember what they are because we forget to remember, especially when we're bogged down in our heaviness. So, having a thought rescue plan or something that you know that when I feel this way, here are five things that I can do, and I know they work almost every time. A thought rescue plan. Tell us more. Well, like the dimes, for example, that's a thought rescue plan. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyone who's ever been in, a, I, I'm going to use a Catholic church as an example, but a church where someone turns to you and it doesn't matter how you're feeling and they, they say to you, peace be with you. Yes. And instantly when you give the peace or someone gives peace to you, it makes you feel better. I, you know what I'm talking about if anyone's been there. But there were other times like if someone, you turn to someone and you, and you say, you have a beautiful smile. Or they, you feel good when you say it, they feel good when they receive it. So it's just, those are examples of a thought rescue plan, but for something else, it could be like when my, when a mother daughter relationship, which we know is really built on a lot of codependent behaviors, right? (laughs) Trying to find their way through the relationship. So, you know, when you're, when the mother and daughter is fighting, depending on which one you are, here are five things that I can do. Like I can look at it saying that person's doing the best they can, you know, um, I, I can't control how they feel. I can control. And that's a generalization, but you would actually have like a specific strategy for the five or 10 things that cause you most trouble in your life on a daily basis The so things that pull you out of your center, off your path.
1: And I love your example when you started of of grief, because I agree with you. When you lose someone who's so dear to you, it stays with you. It sits with you, but it does change over time. My mom's been gone for 20 years now. It's changed over time, but she's still very much a part of my soul. And that sadness is there, not anywhere like at the beginning. So accepting that that's going to be part of your life, but how it looks will change. And you could take grief and apply that to a, a whole umbrella of other, I don't know, is grief an emotion? A whole well, other slew of emotions and feelings.
2: Yeah, great. So I for the purpose of thought nutrition, I group thoughts, feelings, and emotions into one because they're so intertwined and um and related that it doesn't matter. It's a chicken and egg. We know one of them came first. We can debate it for 20 <laughs> million years how how it came to be. So thought, feeling, emotion in many ways for the purpose of this is like that. So anger. So you think about someone did you wrong and, you, and you're holding anger and resentment. You don't want to forgive them. So that's judgment. And so you sit with them and you recognize you're never going to change what they did to you. And you don't have any control of how they feel about what they did to you. So you, so the first step is like releasing the attachment to what they did. And and I mean, this gets into like a deeper, like therapeutic thing, but we're talking thought Is What are you doing here? So it's like, okay, I recognize Lynn that I still have anger about you. I'm carrying anger um, towards you because of what you did when we were twelve, but it's go. Oh, but, but but for today, but for today, I'm not going to let my. I'm not going to let my joy be affected by it. I recognize that I saw you and that triggered my anger, but I'm but I know enough to go. Yeah, it's there. Yeah, it's real. And tonight, when I get home, I'm going to journal about it. Or if I'm working with a counselor, I'm going to make sure that we talk about it. So you're not pushing it down. You're not not respecting it, but you're not letting it control where you are.
1: And you become aware of it right from the beginning. Be Most important right part. Away.
2: Yeah. Wow. And I mean, if you have five minutes and it's really still, or if five minutes later, it's still there, then you don't know pull yourself away for five minutes. Write down everything that makes you mad. Write down everything that you can control. Write down everything you can't control. And then, then all of a sudden you're going to be like, oh, and then you just, you move on. It doesn't fix it. That's a whole other process. Healthy thought nutrition is where, Are you vibrating and where's your next thought going and what are you, what reactions like your response to whatever's going is dictating the next thing that's going to happen to you. What are you creating intentionally in your life? So if I'm someone who
1: uh, does not, I'm not a writer, I'm not a journaler. What are some other ways that I can move forward?
2: So maybe we should talk about what journaling is and what journaling isn't. Journaling is not writing a story. Journaling is not always writing full sentences. Journaling can be swearing. Journaling can have spelling mistakes. Journaling doesn't need grammar. And journaling can be crumpled up and burned at the end. So let's call it just getting things, making yourself feel lighter. So you could scream into into your cell phone on the recording mode. Mm-hmm. everything. Go out to I the woods. Said. You can go out to the woods, go for a walk. Yeah. Go, get it right. out of you. So you want to say it out loud. You want
1: to write it out loud. Thank you. Melissa, you are an international best-selling author, but there is a very powerful story that comes to how your first book came about. And I think it links beautifully to what we're talking about right now. To be my journaling story. Yes. If that's what we call it, journaling. Well,
2: that's a great point, because I actually was therapeutic journaling. I didn't ever want to journal. In fact, for me, journaling was something that I put off for many years before I had that big life, significant life change. Uh, but at that point, I couldn't, I couldn't deny it anymore. But this is how I was journaling the day that I had um, my, my miracle happen. But it's also how I journal most days anyway. I would say that day I wrote boat, sand, beach, tree, water, rock tea crepe banana server island sky star moon sun (laughs) anything that i could see or came to my mind it was like just a barrage of words and i would do that sometimes when i didn't know what to write about because then all of a sudden sometimes you just lose track of what you're doing and then you just write and on the day specific day um it was january the 10th uh I looked into my journal and it was 10 o'clock in the morning. I was having tea in a banana crepe. and I had a full story written. And not only was it written perfectly in perfect sentence, it rhymed. And I have no memory of writing it.
1: And that, that is just mind blowing in so many different ways. And you, you just, you know, you remember the date, you remember that moment, those moments just so, so like ingrained forever.
2: And that was life changing for you because that took you to your first book. It did. It did. And it, and it opened up like a whole new pathway of recognizing um, the power of getting clear about what you want to create or what's creating what you want. How about that? How about it's not about what we want to create, it's about what's creating what we want, because we're always creating. And it's important that we're creating without the outcome in mind, but the intention of how we want to feel along the way. And I think journaling in that first book really helped me get clear about
1: that. And so just writing down what you saw in that moment, all around you, single words, expressions, think about that, everyone, (laughs) with no intention, just in the moment, writing things down, opened up a whole new world for Melissa. And I think
2: it can for all of us. Absolutely. Thinking I don't think, (laughs) thinking I don't think (laughs) is quite enough because it keeps it where it is. You're still going through it. That mind still has the power over you. And what you want to do is is have intention, having more power than mind. So getting it actually out and seeing it differently. I don't know that we can always see it within our minds, but everybody is different. So if if someone can find a way where if they sit and think about those things methodically, what's bugging me? Where do I feel it? What's true? Like, What can I I control? What can I control? Is this attached to a story or an event or an experience and go, yeah, okay. Yeah. I remember that was like when we were in grade 13 or grade 12 or grade 11. Yeah. I'm not going to go there today. Like it doesn't matter. It's just that process of it. Does this warrant ruining your day? Does this warrant changing the direction? So, you know, you're driving down the road and your car hits a bump and your steering wheel veers to the right a bit. You have a choice of keeping it steered to the right or gently pulling it back to the road again. So do you want to keep steering to the right because of something that happened to you 20 years ago? You can, but then you, you're going to end up wherever that direction is. Still and stuck idea- in it. Sorry? You're still stuck in it. Well, you're still stuck in it. And you're also going down that path. And thought nutrition is about coming back to your center and back to your path along the line, a soul alignment, like a blueprint of your life, back towards your purpose. So getting clear about all of that is, is really what it's about. And we, again, forget to remember what that is. So it, it's, it's important to take some time and re-remember what it is that, that makes us come alive and feel good.
1: Tell me more about the pathway, Melissa.
2: Well, in, in terms of thought nutrition, I see the pathway is that center of alignment where things just feel good. It doesn't have to be feel perfect and and it's not horrible it's that thing where it's like everything is okay and you're constantly like aware that you're following your heart and you're not feeling a sense of of I'm doing this and I don't really want to be doing this you know what I'm talking about Lynn like it's that like that get out of your head and into your heart kind of thing and our cars the new cars these days come with lane departure alert does your car have that yes it does well mine is not new but it has it yeah <laughs> okay. So yeah, so a lane departure alert is like if you have it turned on and you're driving down the road and you start to go off, you're tired or whatever, it's like beep, beep. Or if you change lanes and you don't signal, it's like beep, beep. So I feel that our pathway is the second that we're feeling yucky or we get that sense that something's not right, it's it's that beep beep that we've we've sig- we've changed lanes without signaling, I meaning we're not aware that we're changing lanes, and we get that reminder to gently shift back to our center. So I think that that's, that's what a pathway means to me. And again, it's not good, bad, right, or wrong. We're going to go through everything in our life. It's like, what do we do when we realize we're there? How do we get back? What's our thought rescue plan to bring us back toward what we want to become?
1: Yeah. And we, you know, put a signal on our brain that tells us beep, beep, you're going the wrong way. (laughs) Yeah. And that's simply feeling yucky. Exactly. Oh, I love it. All right. Well, we're going to be back after break with Melissa Lyons. We're going to talk about uh, something very, we bri- briefly touched on in that uh, the majority of the time, what's holding us back as adults is fear. How do we, what can we do to make sure that our children or to try to prevent our, our children from being stuck in that same trap? We'll be back in a minute.
0: to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes. Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. (laughs) Our children are growing up in a world that is more complex than ever. It's time to start thinking proactively. Meet Zerko and the children who glow in the color they are feeling because they haven't learned to control their emotions yet. In the Power of Thought Children series, we're not only teaching children about emotional vocabulary, but how to recognize how they are feeling and what they can do about it. We live on an imaginary planet called Tezra, where every character is named after a crystal. Each of the five books in the series takes children into a situation they can relate to, but teaches problem-solving skills and evidence-based strategies they can use for life. This series was developed in collaboration with clinicians, educators, parents, and guardians, and it's the winner of the Mom's Choice Award. Check it out at lynnmclaughlin.com under the Books tab. A little birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Taking the Helm with Lynn McLaughlin. Have a question for Lynn or her guests? Join us on the show at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Now back to the show.
1: Thanks for being with us. And we are back with Melissa Lyons. And we were talking about fear and how it really can take over our lives or stop us from seeing that what we need to see to move in the right direction. Melissa, let's talk about that, and how, how do we even be aware that that is what is our blocker?
2: Well, fear is so important, Lynn. Uh, first of all, I want to say fear the opposite of fear uh, in terms of thought, nutrition, or emotional guidance, or anything, is love. Love is the exact um, opposite of fear. Fear also has two main um, purposes in our lives. One is to actually protect us from danger, real danger. So in that case, fear is powerful and good, and it's keeping our, sen- our our alertness and our senses heightened. So that's a good fear. But then there's also a fear that's protecting us as well, but it's not from danger. It's from failure. It's from embarrassment. It's from stepping into something outside of our comfort zone. And that fear... That's not the kind of protection that someone who's growth minded and wants to wants to really step into themselves. That fear isn't st- serving us quite so well, and I think we see it in our in our children as well. I think teaching by example is always the best way, but it's not the only way. Like I think about my life, um, I remember like all the way along, I, I had four main themes of my life, and I always called um, the the fourth theme the four letter F word which is fear. (laughs) (laughs) Because it held me back forever and ever. And to to this day, I'm constantly recognizing where something's not working out as I had hoped, or I'm not feeling about something the way I'd like to. And I recognize that I'm sitting in fear. So recognizing it.
1: So let's do a concrete example of being stuck in fear. There's a job and I'm, wow, this this is something that is calling my name. This has got my name on. This is my job, but they want a reference. Now I have to talk to somebody about getting their name for a reference. And that becomes, that's a barrier. Uh, are they going to do, oh my gosh, well, I have to do an interview. I don't think I can do an interview. How many people will be on the interview? And then we get stuck in
2: our fear. Yeah. That's a great example. And it's fear. It's um, it's it's a mind chatter. It's self-sabotage. It's procrastination. It's all of those things. It's It's a story that we had that we were once not good enough or someone told us we weren't good enough once and we haven't let go of it. So fear is like the underlying, I actually, fear is like um, resistance. It's like a master messenger. When fear is showing up or you see any of those things show up, you've just got to sit yourself down and, and, and again, you can go through the journaling process or however you do it. You can talk through it with somebody, but I get, I think having something concrete, it's like what's really happening here. What, what is really the problem? What am I afraid of? Am I afraid of rejection? Am I afraid of failure? Am I afraid of not being enough? And then from there, it's like, what's the other side of all of these things that are holding me back? And what is actually the truth? Mm. And not the truth as you think it might be, the truth right now. And when we actually sit down and take a moment and press pause and get honest with ourselves, we can stop that. It's like a slippery slope. So then you don't ask for the reference. And then because you don't ask for the reference, it's like, well, I can't finish the application. And then it becomes procrastinating. And it's like, at what point do you stop and say, okay, wait, you know, what what do I really want out of this situation? And you're going to know what's happening because you're feeling like something's not quite right. You wake up in the morning and go, oh, I've got to do that or I haven't done that yet. You're getting the messages all the time. And that is heavy. And that pulls you out of your zone of excellence, zone of joy, zone of happiness. All right. I want to go back to something you said a few minutes ago that I
1: think is really, really critical. And you were thinking about us as adults. But, you know, if we have a fear, for example, and you said that I'm not good enough. Well, very often that fear comes from what we heard and what we experienced as children. So let's everybody now put on our parent hats or our educator hats what can we do right now to be aware so that we can help our kids prevent being stuck in this fear as they grow older?
2: Well, I think redefining failure and redefining success for them. Ask them, what, what does failure look like? What does success look like? And I think we can do it at any age. I mean, it's obviously the depth of the answer will be different, but it will show us places where they're actually starting down a pathway that's going to lead to more fear of failure and less understanding of what success means to them or to, to the world that they live in. I remember the day that I was on a, a podcast interview, actually, and someone had said to me, what does success mean to you? And, and I said to them, like, it, was like, I had, it was like an epiphany for me. I was like, you know what? That was one of my most dreaded questions for almost my whole life. And all of a sudden it came to me, success to me, is being incrementally happier and more at peace with myself in any given moment, like a year later than I was a year, a week later, like incrementally more peaceful, happy, and accepting of myself. That's success for me because from there, everything can flow. You know, so fear, Like, let's talk about what fear looks like to the kids now. Let's talk about what success looks like to them. And then start to help shift if they need to shift into something that's a little bit healthier of, of of a perspective and it will also uncover any stories that they're carrying any things that might not be true it will let them sort of examine like is that really true or did someone tell you is that really what you think or is that what you think you should think i'm giving them a chance without judgment to 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 get a sense of it i actually think that would be a good thing to do at the beginning of every year or every semester or term, however the school, it should be revisited constantly. Let's talk about failure. Let's talk about fear. Let's talk about
1: success. Let's talk about love. I think we can also, through observation, through watching our children's behaviors, see when they are upset, when they are angry, when they are self-judging, when they've lost self-confidence, but be able to dig down to say, well, how did that happen? And then have that conversation or the modeling. Well, how could this look different? And why do you feel that way? Like those deeper conversations to help them understand it then, as opposed to having to grapple with it later in life, like we
2: are. Well, it's true. And, you know, Lynn, think about it. Like the highest level of um, professional athletes, um, actors, actresses, business leaders, they invest heavily in mindset mastery, thought nutrition, um, you know, visualization practices. We know it works. Science supports it all over the map. But when we get into the to our just general family life and regular entry level workers, things like that, I don't know that we spend as much time on this. And could you imagine like, you know, that the saying like small hinges swing big doors, mm-hmm. giving people access to call it mindfulness, call call it what you wish, but having it just part of everyday living. It, it could change everything. And so we having more coaching available for, for people of all ages, because why do we keep, why is it just reserved for the the, the most elite? Probably because there's, there's a cost barrier to it. So if it can become part of our conversations, part of our, part of our house league sports teams, part of our schools, part of our families in Not the morning, yet. talk about how's everybody want to feel today? What, what are the things? Here's here's your thought map. What, what's everybody want. To feel throughout their day today, where do you want to go when when someone is mean to you? How do you want to feel about it? And give them the same plan of here's your lunch, I packed it for you, and and make sure that you enjoy recess or your sports practice. I, I like to take the word "if" out of the equation and say "when," <laughs> because
1: we all, when we know better, we do better. There's another old expression there too. But Melissa, you're you're doing specialized workshops for uh, corporations, for large employment agencies, for colleges, for universities. We want to get to everyone.
2: We do. We do. And, you know, my focus in in a lot of those big programs is worry to wellness. Because everybody's got a healthy dose of worry. Well, everybody. A great percentage of the world has a healthy dose of worry. Imagine if we could just simply shift that worry into wellness Mm -hmm. and create something positive out of that worry. And recognize that, you know, just bring it into something that's simple and, and sustainable for them to go, yeah, I'm worried. I don't feel good. I feel yucky. I'm worried. What do I need to do? One, two, three. And again, not fix the problem, not just have positive thinking, but literally shift your vibration inside of your body to attract something that feels and is better for you.
1: And if I think about that from an employer, stand, you know, let's just say uh, I have 15 people, I mean, it's a small, a small business, I have 15 people, or I'm in a corporation with thousands of people. If thought nutrition became a regular practice of every single person that worked in my organization, oh, your your productivity, everything is going to be leveled up. Absenteeism will be down, right?
2: I mean, isn't that, that's doable. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that, that that's the missing link. I really do. And I mean, it's not a lot different than mindfulness, but the reason why I feel that thought nutrition and I have a thought nutrition guide is because we really wake up every day in most lives and think about what we're going to eat and what we're going to do physically in our day, but we don't think about what we're going to think. And that's why the thought nutrition guide, I think is paramount. All right,
1: Melissa, I would like to read a testimonial from Dr. Michelle Yep martin I hope you don't mind. Love it. As a psychologist, I work with people in all levels of emotional pain. Melissa's books and teachings give readers a sense of peace and the gift that comes from knowing someone understands what they're going through. Melissa's words have not only transformed my personal life, but have also impacted the lives of many of my patients. That is a perfect segue to uh, ask you, uh, what, what programs and services do you have?
2: Well, I have one-on-one coaching and group coaching, as well as my speaking events, where I can come in and talk to larger groups about shifting their worry to wellness, healthy thought nutrition, and whatever it is that they want to have more of or less of in their life. And I also have my three books, uh, the first two, I Will Always Love You and Until We Meet Again, which are about hope and love, and they really deal with grief and loss in, in a gentle and comforting and loving way. And finally, um, most recently, I wrote with a co-author, Freedom Rising from Within, The Ultimate Guide to Freedom and Transformation from the Inside Out. And this book really takes thought nutrition to like a whole new level and gets very, it does a deep dive into an, a personal transformation, which is basically what I did in my 30-month sabbatical summarized into this book. Um, so yeah, so that, that's how I reach people and work with people. Your Thought Nutrition Guide. Can, can people get that from you, Melissa? They can, they can. I'd say they should send me an email and tell me what, what their specific question is. And I'd be happy to send them out with a, with a thought nutrition guide with some guiding principles around how to implement it into family life. Yeah. Absolutely. And your email address is? Melissa at Melissa hyphen or a dash ca. Okay, super. And if I could just leave um, our listeners with one piece of advice the most important thing they could ever do absolutely, is to care about the way they feel. Because if you care about the way you feel, the second that you're not feeling well, that you're feeling yucky or a sense of doom or, or anything that's making you just feel not great in the moment, then you have the most important master messenger. And that's your lane departure alert saying there's something that needs your attention. There's something good that can come of
0: this
1: beautiful closing comments. And there's a lot that resonates with me even today after our conversation. And I've got a couple of things that I'm going to go and sit in when, uh, when we're finished here. Thank you so much for, for joining us, Melissa.
2: Thanks Lynn. and I have to shout out to your books, which are the most important thing I should have said does your books touch our children with thought nutrition in the most powerful way. I appreciate you and everything you do. Yeah. It's funny when you
1: said earlier, um, is it true? That's actually one of our books. And we take, we take everybody through a process to say, is that really what's true? <laughs> Thanks very much for making that comment. I appreciate it. It's been wonderful. Thanks, Lynn. Next week, Julia Rucker and Kelsey Timiak will be joining us. They are both child and youth care workers, specializing in individuals up to the age of 28 through goal setting, behavior management, and motivational training. The goal is to encourage everyone they meet to be their most authentic self and grow through challenges they may be facing in a safe, non-judgmental environment. Let's check our compass and learn what we need to as we empower our children to face the ups and downs of life, which will surely come. Have a healthy and beautiful week, everyone.
0: Thanks for tuning into today's episode of Taking the Helm. We hope that Lynn and her guests have provided valuable insights on how to create a safe, emotional space for your children That empowers them to be their best selves. Until we talk again, have a wonderful week.